0: This is the West Coast Project Podcast for Better Call Saul. I'm Mike. I'm here with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hey, we're up to 515 Granite State. Kelly, two more to go in the Breaking Bad series. Now we're going to start in, better, in on Better Call Saul.
1: Right. It's kind of, I'm sad for uh, the end of our Breaking Bad recaps, but very excited for Better Call Saul.
0: It's interesting reliving these last few episodes of Breaking Bad because they seem to still stay pretty powerful in my memory.
1: They really do, and um, you know, I, I have to give a, a little bit of credit here. One of our listeners uh, was listening to the podcast, and I wanted to just make sure he got his credit when we were talking about gliding overall, and we were wondering uh, uh, which prisoners they showed uh, that got killed, and we said lawyer, the lawyer, and that other kid uh, from the laundromat. Uh, he had actually pointed out uh, that the guy from the warehouse that Lydia had pointed out uh, was one of them, which I had not noticed. So uh, we'll give a little credit to him for uh, that little bit of tidbit of information.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, the genius of the listener pool. Thank you very much. The Adam Ramirez. So
1: thank you very much for that.
0: All right, Adam, we appreciate it. <laughs> Our listeners are so so smart. Smarter than us, Kelly.
1: Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess they are.
0: (laughs) So we're here for Granite State, fifteenth episode of season five. Um, Kelly, you're from Kelly from Fun Facts Breaking Bad. Fun Facts, Better Call Saul. Fun Facts. So, do you have any fun facts from the start here?
1: Well, this is the penultimate uh, episode, which is the second to the last uh, part of the meeting for granite state is obviously when we see wall at denny's in a previous episode he's got the um new hampshire driver's license and at the time we thought was his car didn't know it was stolen uh volvo with that plate um but also they were saying because wall is kind of an estate a stone-like state uh as well and they knew that in uh, the scenes with the cabin uh, that they had some areas up in New Mexico that look sort of like New Hampshire. So there were kind of a lot of reasons for having this uh, title.
0: I noticed Walt more than I ever did on my first watch of him just looking so close to death in these last rewatches. He just really looks bad in these in these scenes. And this Granite State is really, really a dark episode. It is. So let's let's get into it, Kelly. Um, the Disappearer shows up, but with a twist. It's not Walt. It's Saul in the car coming into the vacuum cleaning place, vacuum cleaner repair place.
1: Right, and I love how they trick us like that. Um, this, this vacuum cleaner place actually was a real place, and the place where you see uh, Walt and Saul later is real, uh, and the phone number is real. You can call it. But it was really surprising that the last scene we see is, is, you know, um, the dog running across the road and, and Walt getting into the van and then voila, there's Saul.
0: Yeah. They pulled these switcheroos on us before, but it it is interesting how they shifted gears here. And also Kelly, did you know that this guy, his name was Ed, the disappearer? Yes. I didn't know that till I rewatched it.
1: Yeah. His name is Ed, right. Um, he, you know vince gilligan as we've seen he cast a lot of people that he respects like along with jonathan banks uh and raymond cruz which is tuco but he was really excited to get uh robert forster and and uh was really loved the movie that he was in um jackie brown when he played max
0: cherry yeah he was awesome in that movie that's one of my favorite movies tarantino movie Yeah, me too. Kind of revived his career back then when when Jackie Brown came out, which is a long time ago. And he does look older now in this uh, role here as Ed the Disappearer. I don't know if we ever get his last name, but he's (laughs) perfectly cast in this role.
1: Right, I agree.
0: So at one point in the scene with Saul, he says something about Nebraska. And Saul says, what's in Nebraska? And Ed says, you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I guess Saul didn't know where he was going to end up until that moment. Um then he asks about Walt and how he's holding up and Ed says well take a look and he's on the monitor down in the basement of the vacuum repair shop just ranting and raving swatting at the lights. Um he didn't look like he was in very good shape.
1: No, he didn't at all and I thought that was a great way to open up the scene. Um now you know now they're getting, Saul and Walt are going to be essentially roommates for a minute. You know how is that going to go down?
0: Yeah, we need a little comedy in this in this episode because it's going to get pretty damn bleak pretty fast. Right. But that was it, then the opening credits. And we come back after the credits, and Marie and the DEA agent are riding in the car. And DEA agent Ramey, the boss of Hank. Um, and he's telling her, don't worry, we'll find Hank. And they're driving along. And all of a sudden, they see all the blowing debris and papers in the street at the Schrader house and it looks like the neo-Nazis have gotten there and they've taken the video out of the house, the video Hank took with Jesse, right, of his confession. Right. Now we get to see the, that video ourselves. The, the Nazis are playing it and they're making fun of him. They're making fun of, uh, I guess they're making fun of Jesse or are they making fun of, well, they're kind of making fun of Jesse and Todd, I guess. But um, on, the, on the tape, Jesse talks about Drew Sharp and how Todd just shot him and murdered him in cold blood and Todd just smiles. So we see more of the soci- sociopathic way that Todd lives his life. He's just a freak.
1: Right. Um, yeah, they're making fun of Jesse like does this pussy ever stop crying? Uh, you know, and then and and Todd always being kind of the the most centered of all of them, I hate to say, but he's like, just listen, and he's he's really just kind of keyed in on Jesse. And you're right, he has that little proud smile about that Drew Sharp.
0: Yeah, I took from that. I took from that scene, Kelly, that Todd was like, when you know you're in a video and your little part of the video is coming up, you're like, listen, listen, watch this part coming up. Like you know, it's going to be you. That's what <laughs> I got out of Todd in that little scene there. Yeah. Um. But so. Once they once Jesse confesses to Hank on the video, uh, Jack does not like that. He gets up right away, cocks his gun. He's ready to go and take him out right at that moment. Jack does not like rats.
1: No, he doesn't. We talked about him before and how old school he is. But then you've got Todd, which is always the thinker, you know, and he wants to impress his Lydia, uh, convincing him to keep him around, to keep Jesse around.
0: Yeah, Todd talks him out, Uncle Jack talks him out of keeping, Todd talks Uncle Jack out of killing Jesse and keeping him around for a while. And we find, we get a little accounting on the methylamine here, Kelly. They have 600 gallons left, so between Walt and Jesse, Walt and Todd, and Declan, and then Todd and whoever, they've cooked up almost half of that methylamine.
1: Yeah, yeah. A little goes a long way, but it's getting down, I think.
0: So, Jack says, are you crazy? We won the lotto. You want more money? and Um, But then he ultimately figures out it's because of Lydia. And uh, then they start teasing Todd about it. So the heart wants what the heart wants. They give in to him again and let him keep his little Lydia project going.
1: Yeah, I guess that's a Woody Allen quote, not from a movie, but just in life. Uh, That's where Vince Gilligan got that from. But yeah, he's going to do anything to preserve anything he can with Lydia.
0: So we see Jesse's forlorn little cell with its tarp on it. And he's down in there. He caresses the picture of Andrea and Brock. But I guess what he's really doing is taking the paperclip out so he can unlock his handcuffs. And that actually is pretty easy to do, Kelly. I've seen that on YouTube before. You can actually unlock a set of handcuffs pretty quickly with a paperclip.
1: Right. I remember just thinking how sad I felt for Jesse and how beat up he was and just what a dismal situation that we he's literally like in this cage, kind of like how Todd had that little
0: tarantula. Yeah, things that things absorb other things, the mannerisms of other things a lot in these final two episodes. And we'll, we'll talk about them as they come up. Mm-hmm. So at the Disappearer again, we see Walt ranting and raving in the basement he's plotting his next grand scheme and saul's just watching him like dude you're crazy he's warily looking at him but walt wants a list of hitters he wants to he wants five men to go after jack and his crew and take them out it was funny i thought kelly walt's desk is that barrel of money he's scribbling notes and stuff and he's using that barrel for his desk
1: (laughs) i hadn't noticed that that's great
0: yeah but Saul's advice is to not leave. Don't leave your wife high and dry. Stand up. You'll go to jail. You'll be, uh, what does he call him? You'll be the uh, John Dillinger. Right? You'll be the star of the of the jail. You, you, if you try to leave, they're going to pound your wife for information and take away everything she has, has, and it's just not fair to leave her high and dry. But Walt... Can't defeat his ego. He's gonna get everything back, and not just the barrel of money there. He's gonna get everything back and get even with everybody.
1: Right. And you know what's interesting about Saul is he's not in his snazzy coat and his bright colors. The the director, the writers had had put him purposely in that white with just some plain pants. And you notice that he's got a much more saucy attitude towards Walt. You know, Walt tries to kind of put him in the corner, kind of like the time where he says, it's over, we're done when I say we're done. And Saul's just like, there's nobody left to fight, dude. Like, you know, I'm out of here. Which I was, I was glad to see Saul stick up to Walt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Saul did look really different without his stupid-looking, snazzy lawyer clothes. He, he looked uh, almost, re- almost respectable. Mm-hmm. And his advice is good. His advice is accurate, and, and in fact, was respectable. Um, but Ed comes down, tells him it's time to go to New, New uh, or to uh, Nebraska, and that we cut away from that scene. Um, and we go right to the DEA office. And just like Walt, when he had the cancer, Skylar says, "I do understand. I'm in trouble." She kind of hears it in the zone of like spacing out. That was interesting. How they copied that scene from Walt learning about having cancer.
1: Yes, that's true. And, and you notice that with all the interrogation and that guy is really scary um, that she doesn't mention Lydia
0: at all. Yeah, we're going to hear about that um, pretty quickly here. The, the DEA is watching Skyler's house, the White House, um, and the Nazis sneak in right under their nose. The neo-Nazi dudes, Todd, I think it's Todd and Kenny or maybe three of them, two or three of them. And they're lurking in Holly's room right around her crib. And again sociopathic Todd, he's super calm. He's almost kind to Skylar. And here's where he asks about Lydia. You haven't said anything about the lady with the dark hair, have you? He's worried about protecting Lydia.
1: Yeah, cuz she easily could have said something about her during that interrogation, but what's interesting about his performance here in Vince Gilligan and I agree with him is, you know, you would think like a that he would come in kind of twirling his mustache and being like this really evil mean guy. But Jesse Plemons played it perfectly by just being really calm and kind. And it made him even scarier.
0: Yeah, it's He's, creepier, way creepier.
1: Right. I remember my heart was in my chest. Like, oh, my God, they've got, first of all, the DEA or maybe the Albuquerque PD's right out front. And they managed to get in. And how creepy that, you know, they've got Holly at bay.
0: And then um, Todd actually copies one of his Uncle Jack's habits when he says, you haven't said anything about the lady with the dark hair, have you? I'm going to need to hear you say it. He makes her say it like Jack does. Mm-hmm. Good catch. So, Kelly, do you think Todd, is Todd good or super, super bad? I mean, or is he, or is he like mentally, is he, is he a sociopath? What do you think of Todd? Tell me what you think of Todd.
1: I think he's a pleasant sociopath. Um, Vince Gilligan calls him an Opie Hitler. But I think that if he did not grow up with the uncle that he had, that he could have been a scholar or somebody that went really far in life. I think because of his uncle and his upbringing that possibly he's so smart, yet he's got that criminality aspect to him. But he is, you know, we've seen him kill Drew Sharp. We've seen him be proud of his work. We've seen him be, you know, watch Jesse. Yet then he, we see later, he brings Jesse ice cream. So he's, he's a very confusing person. But yeah, he's definitely evil.
0: Yeah, I don't know the medical aspects of being sociopathic. I don't know how that works. I like, do you do you have it, and it's like an illness, or do you can you overcome it? But this kid is just lost, man. And this this scene is interesting, Kelly, because it's the epitome of every fear that Skylar had this whole series. Are the bad guys ever going to come to us? Are they ever going to come to our house? And here they are hovering around her baby's crib while the police are watching her house.
1: Right, and Walt's nowhere to be found, and Hank is dead. Uh, but being sociopathic is you have absolutely no empathy. You, you, somebody could be crying on the ground and bleeding and you wouldn't understand their pain. You can't identify with it. And that's definitely
0: Todd. All right. We're going to see more of Todd. He's at the tea shop now doing the Lydia, uh, the Lydia seating arrangement. Um, Todd tries to spruce up for these talks with Lydia. Do you think he looks okay? The way he dresses like that?
1: no. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I give him an A for effort. But Lydia, she doesn't want anything to do with them. And and what's funny to me is that she's tried this bullshit with, don't sit over here, sit over there. And neither Walt nor Mike uh, fell for that or wanted anything to do with her stupid ploy. Yet Todd, the ever so lapdog, sits right there and goes
0: right along with it. Oh, he's wrapped around her finger for sure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Todd reports that the message was sent and it was clear, and Lydia doesn't want any, t- any news about messages. She wants death. She wanted him to take Skylar out, I think. Lydia's also ready to leave. She's done with Todd at this point until she hears the words 92% and blue about Todd's latest cook of meth. And uh, Todd reveals that he has Pinkman and that they make a good team. Well, I guess he's saying he and Todd and Lydia make a good team. Um,
1: yeah, and his, and his plan worked perfectly. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got he's got Jesse he learned to cook, and now he's got his woman paying attention to him.
0: Do you think Lydia was in trouble in Europe, uh, Kelly? Is that why she was happy about this method? Or do you think she just saw another way to make more money?
1: Well, I, I think that her customers were unhappy, and with the 76%, she needed that color. Whether she had to put food coloring in it or go with somebody else, uh, but she, you know, she was kind of washing her hands of Todd. But, of course, 92% is a pretty attractive number.
0: Right. But isn't her situation kind of like Walt's and Skyler's? Like, how much money do you need? Do, do you think, like, because the meth was not as good purity that she was in some sort of trouble by bad uh, heavies over in Europe, maybe?
1: I would imagine so, yeah, because she came promising this product. And then now she's bringing this sludge. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, that's her word. And I'm sure in the drug game, they don't want this crap that she's bringing them.
0: All right. Well, let's see how Walt gets his ass over to New Hampshire. He pops out of that cold-ass propane truck all the way from New Mexico to New Hampshire in a tank. Kelly, that's impossibly horrible, that type of a ride.
1: I can imagine. But I guess if you're as hot as he is, um, that's going to have to be the way that it goes.
0: That would be a hard car ride and just a bad, in an uncomfortable car seat, much less a tank. Jesus. <laughs> um, but the outside of the house that he's gonna be in for a while here looks okay. It's the inside that looks horrible to me. I mean, that little setting on the side of the hill wasn't so bad.
1: No, no, it wasn't. And, you know, and you think like, well, how come he's got all this money? Couldn't they have given him something fancier? But I, I think they wanted to, kind of give him a reason not to stick around for very long. Because uh, I think he's here for what a duration of, I think maybe a year. I think is how long he's supposed to be, chilling here.
0: I don't even think that long. I think it's like two or three months.
1: Yeah, I don't not remember.
0: very long. Because remember his fifty-second birthday. You know, he he was – I don't know. I think it was a matter of maybe three or four months at the most. Yeah, probably years a little long. Well, Ed tells him what the deal is with the house. It's like canned goods everywhere, and he's got some steaks. And, but he's got a crappy-ass 15-amp generator is not a good generator, Kelly. Think of a 15-amp light bulb. It's only – or I guess a 15-watt light bulb. 15 amps is not very much. Uh, but I guess he doesn't have anything to power. <laughs> he's got a TV, but no reception, no cable, no internet, no telephone. He's got two DVDs of the same movie. Uh, do you know anything about that movie? I don't. Mr. Margor- Mr. Margorium's Wonder Emporium. I've never seen it. Yeah. But apparently, I don't... it's, it's got to be super depressing.
1: Yeah.
0: But Ed shows up, He's gonna or is going to show up in a month. So he's got a month in between visits, and... We hear the numbers, $50,000 for a trip to Costco. So it must mean that he gets paid 50000 for every trip he makes, round trip from New Mexico to New Hampshire.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, the, this guy is the disappearer, so I'm sure that he's taking all aspects to not get caught himself. And Walt is so hot uh, that that's going to cost him a pretty penny.
0: Yeah, he's treating Walt specially with this ongoing relationship. It's usually a one and done, you're out, and I'll never see you again. Right, um, but Walt's existence in this house would be maddening for me, Kelly. I could not do it um the town's eight miles away by only by walking through like a snow covered road it, and Ed kind of tells him if you even try if you if you try, you're gonna get caught, but if you even try and I find out you tried, I'm never coming back here again because you'll get me caught
1: right, that's the scary part and that's what keeps him there, I think for a while because if he gets caught he gets caught. And, you know, he's got kind of one chance to go. And, um, you know, once he sees that his, his cancer's coming back, he's sitting there, everything's all dismal. You know, it doesn't seem like you
0: could stick around there. I would go crazy. So Walt can't wait, can't wait to get rid of him. He can't get rid of him fast enough. He just wants him to leave. That's going to change pretty quick. Yes. Um, And Walt immediately makes plans to break every rule and go down into town. He stuffs his pockets full of cash, puts on the hat, gets the purposeful, jaunty walk out to the gate. Um, And, Kelly, what for? What do you think he was going to do in town? Probably
1: try to get back to Albuquerque. You know, I mean, you're out there all by yourself. You've got nothing to do but just debate everything and think about everything and analyze it. And, you know, Walt's a thinker anyway, And he's all by himself and he's worried about his family. So, you know, he's got to get back.
0: But what? But he was, this is his first day, right? He just got there. The guy just left. It made it look like it was the very first day.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, but I I mean, he probably just his ego, like, okay, well, I'm not going to stick around here. I'm out of here, you know? And then he gets to the gate and he starts to think about everything. It's just maybe just human nature. Like, I can't stay here. Are you kidding me? This can't be my life.
0: Yeah, either he stops or something stops him. Like his his breath, his wind. He had no wind. He could he could only cough, or maybe the cold, or just the look of that long s- snowy road. Um, but something stops him, or he stops himself, and he just says tomorrow, tomorrow to himself, and lights a fire, and he's there. He's gonna settle in for at least the first month. Yeah, we see Jesse in his cage, kind of a mirror image of this, huh? They're each in their own little secluded cages. Um, He's got the cuffs off, and he's trying to balance on the bucket and reach the top of the cage. And Todd shows up with a little treat for him. He's going to bring him ice cream because he did such a good cook. And it was odd how Jesse thanked him, like he was almost cordial to him.
1: Right. That's the weird thing, you know. He's he's got him in a cage. He's beat him up. He essentially is his fault for. I mean, I guess uh, Todd saved him for the most part from getting killed. But you know, here's some ice cream. It's almost like he's looking for a friend. It's it's very
0: odd. He does get up and he gets out and he gets caught and he's free for about thirty seconds and he's dragged back in by the cameras and everything. He's he's that's a pretty secure compound those dudes have there.
1: Yeah, like he's like, I'm not I won't cook one more minute for you what do you say, twisted psychotic
0: fucks. Yeah, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And now we see the disturbing Andrea scene. Todd is just charmingly evil again to now now to Andrea and he charms her out the door and he just cold bloodedly kills her. Um and where who knows where Brock was when all this was happening, or where Brock might have walked out onto the porch and saw later. Um but Jesse sees this and screams and pounds his face on the window and and then uh, good old Uncle Jack reminds him they're still the kid. Like pour salt even more or worse into that wound.
1: This is an uh, interesting all together because Kelly Dixon, who's the editor, she's very good. And it was her idea to not actually show Jesse until after, Uh, you know, when we first see Todd walking up to Andrea's house, we don't know where Jesse is. And then when he's like, oh, yeah, Jesse's in the car. And then she goes to look out there and then you see you don't see Jesse until after he shoots Andrea in the head. You know, and when Jesse's pounding his head against that door, they've got a pad and a in a little piece of blood packet there. So when he hits his head, it looks like he gets injured. Um, but Aaron Paul was saying that this was one the hardest scene he's had to film, except for when he woke up de- uh, next to Jane. So you know, he's got a lot of these scenes uh, with women and getting hurt with kids.
0: Yeah, poor guy can't hold on to a girlfriend.
1: Yeah, as an actor, that's got to be really
0: difficult to to do all of that. So, Kelly, who we're near the end of this hall now. Who was the worst, most evil character in all of Breaking Bad? Oh, wow, that's a good one. Um, you mean I, some people might say Walt?
1: Most people would probably say Walt. I, you know, Walt is a good one. I'd say Gus was pretty evil. Jack's pretty evil I mean we don't know everybody's backstory we know you know we only know Jesse and Walt we don't know everything that they've done but you know Walt's been pretty evil from the beginning
0: or Todd I mean can you even do you again I don't know the methodology behind the medical terms but if somebody's sociopathic like this do they even know they're evil or do they know they're doing evil things
1: uh no i mean it all depends on the degree but todd probably not i mean he seems like he's proud of it and again he's not with you know the all-american uncle here he's got a nazi uncle and a bunch of criminals that he's probably been he grew up with
0: yeah and jack's turning around and saying there's still the kid right on the heels of having jesse watch this poor girl get shot that's almost more that's like another notch higher of evil Right. You're right. It is a tough question. You know, I might say Jack. I might say, I don't know, I might say Gus. But back in New Hampshire, um, Walt's looking down his road again. But this time it's because it's time for the Ed delivery. He must know the day he's going to show up. I don't know how he knows the day he's going to show up. But um, Ed brings him newspapers and glasses and a bunch of news about Skyler and her job as a taxi dispatcher and how she's using her maiden name. Um, he tells him Walt's house is up for auction, it's fenced off, and he's learned how to do the IVs now from YouTube, I guess YouTube vein locations and everything, but he must have tried to do IVs previously. So this maybe is another two months in. It might not be the very first month he returns, but a, a month or two later.
1: Right, yeah. I, I was looking back and I it was a half a year that he was supposed to be at that cabin because that was the biggest jump of the season. Uh was having that how long he was was
0: there. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So Robert Forster, this guy Ed, looks like he actually cares about Walt a little bit. As much as someone could care about someone in this type of a situation. But he does try to leave, he's got all his stuff delivered. He tries to leave and Walt's gonna pay him now to stay. It's much different than the first time he left. And he offers him ten thousand dollars to stay for two hours two hours and while he's thinking about it he says please he tries to sugar it up even more and ed says no i'll stay for one hour for that pretty pretty hardcore stuff kelly i agree
1: and that annoyed me because this guy looks like he's near death and obviously ed the disappearer knows his backstory and though it's dangerous for him to be there you know we also have to consider that wall asks him hey if you know, if I, if I die before I can get this money to my family, will you get it to them? And he's like, would you believe me if I said yes? Like, the guy is the disappearer, but he's not the money distributor. Um, but I, I I don't know if I could be that cold. I, you know, I might stay for free, or I don't know if I would be bargaining down to the hour.
0: Well, he Just does some pretty intimate things with him. I mean, putting an IV in somebody's arm, it's a pretty personal thing to do. I don't know if he got paid more for that. But that, this psychological fencing back and forth about, hey, if I died, what would you do with the barrel? Would you give it to my family? Is a pretty interesting psychological question. And, and the fact that Ed doesn't answer it is interesting, too. He just says, well, wh- what would you believe me? What No matter what I told you, would you believe me? In a very interesting, very smart way that this was written, I thought.
1: Right. I agree, too. And, you know, I guess the their card game was supposed to go... Where they were supposed, Robert Forster was supposed to just say, do "You want me to cut the cards?" and that was it. But they kept going with the dialogue, so a lot of the stuff isn't is unscripted and it's just beautifully done. But you know, you also have to think too. They were filming up in uh, the mountains up in Albuquerque, which some people don't realize. Albuquerque, or I'm sorry, New Mexico gets cold and there's snow, so you know they're up there trying to do all this filming, and then they have to do brian cranston's makeup where they have to do the nose they have to do the sunken eyes add the cheek implants and he's sitting in a makeup chair for about three hours so all this stuff is crazy how we as the audience take it for granted that this stuff just kind of happens but all the details in this is
0: crazy so kelly one other thing about this scene that i thought was interesting is this this inference of kings remember we heard Ozymandias, of course, is a king. The story of a fall of a king. And then we saw the kings on the chessboard in the fire department with the firemen playing chess. And now Ed and Walter playing seven-card stud, and the first two cards are kings, king, another king. Oh, it was real interesting. That they pulled out all these inferences about kings and royalty and greatness. And I don't know why, but but Gilligan must have had a reason for the first two cards in the hands being dealt were two kings.
1: Well, you know, actually that's really great that you said that after what I was just talking about because when they continued that conversation, that was actually uh, Robert Forrester who thought of that line and he actually pulled the king uh, just by accident. So these happy little accidents that happen in Breaking Bad, I don't know, they've got a four-leaf clover or something because these things just are crazy how they work out like that.
0: But it's interesting how Forrester's dealing in this hand. He's like a king. Ooh, another king. Like, you're lucky. You've got two kings. You've got a good hand. But right. he's not lucky. He's a dying, poor, decrepit old guy in his last few days of his life. Very cool, though, the way they did that. Mm-hmm. So we see more evidence of how Walt's wasting away. He sleeps and his wedding ring just falls off of his finger. He's just wasting away, getting thin. And he ties it in a string around his neck. Kelly, did you figure that out? What was the meaning of that, the symbolic meaning of keeping the wedding ring around his neck?
1: Well, I know if it fell off of him and he didn't want to lose it, uh, that that's the one thing that he can hold on to is his love for Skylar as much as he screwed up. So the only thing he really could do is put it around his neck. He puts it in his pocket. He loses it. He doesn't have anything to put it in, um, and it's just kind of a symbolic way of, saying he's still holding on to his love for her
0: it does it also does play i guess a little bit into the scene because ed had brought him this crate of insure like a carton of insure to put on weight put a little weight on you and walt spies that across the room when the ring falls off and then he gets the idea to pack that insure case with the cash
1: Right, this is his time to go. I mean, he's he's losing weight. If he doesn't go now, when is he going to do it? He can't just waste away in a cabin. He's still got things left to do, as he said.
0: He does walk down into town. And now, Kelly, this money's like Sisyphus. Sisyphus is the guy that pushed the rock up the hill and it would roll back down on him every time. He could never get to the top of the hill, the Greek story. But And this is like Walt. He's too weak to carry the money. He's worked so hard to get all this money his whole life, but it's just been a burden to him. It's a burden to him dragging it out into the desert and breaking his back, digging a huge hole and burying it. Then he has to roll it through the desert in that big barrel. And now here he's got to carry it into town. And he just looks exhausted carrying this money around. Um, but he does get down into the bar with a little case of money, 100000 I guess. And he, he has a fake barfly lady call his Aunt Marie to Junior in school. And Kelly, why do you think Junior listened to him for so long before he blew up on this phone call?
1: Well, I think that he hasn't spoken to his dad. when's the last time that he saw his dad? I don't even remember what their last i mean was it at the pool at that hotel when he was telling him everything was going to be okay uh, you know all he has is the rumors and and the news and his mom they're in a crappy apartment and you know he's still his dad no much he, how much he hates him he still wants to maybe hear him out um but I wanted to say too that when he leaves, he started off with that eighty million. Then he got to eleven million, and by the time he left that cabin, he had one million. He had only had one percent. Uh, so you talk about all the hell that he's gone through, and look what it's dwindled down to, just so he can give it to his kids.
0: Well, well, he got to he got to Gretchen and Elliot with nine million. Oh, he did. He filled up the trunk. He 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 didn't have quite eleven million, but he had like nine million. Oh, okay. We'll get to that at whatever episode. That I guess it's either the end of this one or the next one. But, yeah, he is a lot. He gets a lot out. But um, I was in, it was just interesting how Junior listened to him, almost like he was the regular old dad. And like, yeah, uh-huh, like, yeah, yeah, Lewis, yeah, uh-huh. He's, like, correcting him and listening to him. But then he kind of blows up at the end. It was a very complicated scene to watch with the feelings that must have been going through Junior's head. Junior doesn't want the money at all. More, more evidence. I think that it's like this weighted evil poison thing that Walt's slogging around now. It's just bad. It's, it's negative. It's not good.
1: Right. I mean, he knows that he 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 thinks that he killed his uncle Hank, um, but I gotta tell you this with this scene that this honestly happened that there was a. Um, A thing of the film, it was going on a truck on the runway of the airport to go onto the plane, and it fell off the truck and got ran over by 737. So they had to actually redo this whole scene, uh, put the prosthetics back on and all that, uh, just to redo this part. So (laughs) not everything goes smooth.
0: The film, the literally raw film, got run over and ruined and they had to reshoot the scene.
1: Yep. That's insane. They're they're one of the last uh, shows that actually use film. So it has to be taken from Albuquerque and and put into uh, L.A. Right. So it fell off the truck and ran
0: over. Crazy.
1: Plane. Yeah.
0: Well, this whole scene between Junior and Walt Sr., the, the profound misunderstanding between them, between Walt and his son, was just really super sad. Um, The principal here Is Junior blowing up And getting angry What was that principal's name Do you remember her name Uh, A little hottie uh, principal uh, Oh no I couldn't think of her name either But Kelly We need some comedy Right about now And Walt provides it (laughs) Gets into the bar And he calls the police After he hangs up with Junior Or he gets hung up on By Junior And he calls I guess the DEA And he's I'd like to talk to He's in charge of the Walter White case Who's calling Walter White That was great he just drops the phone and orders a shot of whiskey and sits and waits to be arrested I guess right he's, he's, he's hung he's hung up his cleats at this point right
1: Right because I was really pissed that uh, I didn't like our, our Walt Jr. at this point I'm like your dad is taking has one chance to talk to you and you're a jerk to him I, I just people have defended him I really hated that he wasn't nice to, to Walt. Um, but yeah, he sits down and drinks a Temple Pitch, Temple Pinch, uh, which is, I guess, his Vince Gilligan's girlfriend's dad's favorite drink. And uh, it was kind of a tribute to him. Vince's but,
0: girlfriend's dad's girlfriend?
1: Vince's girlfriend's dad. <laughs> oh, okay. Vince's girlfriend's dad.
0: <laughs> well, Kelly, we see one of the biggest plot twists in the whole series here, at least for me it was. He sits down and Elliot and Gretchen appear on TV and uh, they reach out to Walt through this godforsaken distance and cold and dreary place in New Hampshire they reach out through the TV and they get to Walt amazing um, but they're tempting him and taunting him without even knowing it they're tempting him back into the game because they say all Walt ever did was contribute to the name of our company he didn't really contribute anything more valuable than the name and uh, Charlie Rose talks about how meth's all over the southwest and Europe Who's in, who's doing this is Walter White still out there and Gretchen says, "No, the sweet, kind Walt that we used to know is gone." Um, and but this really sets walt his resolve in his face. You can see it; like he's not going to let it stand with that. He's going to get back into the game.
1: Right. Yeah. He was just about ready to go down, and you know, as we mentioned before, with Kevin Kardashev, the kid with with the uh, cancer that wanted to know more about Walt and Gretchen, uh, you know, kind of inadvertently changed the end of this. So, yeah, you're thinking, like, oh, crap, he's calling the cops. We still have one more episode. What's going to happen? And then these two clowns come on.
0: What did you think was going to happen during your first watch, Kelly? Uh,
1: When I saw Gretchen and Elliot? Yeah. Well, you know, obviously he was going to – he got fired back up. He was ready to go. And and it just happened to be that the guy was flipping through the channels. And I thought, oh, okay, because I had forgotten about Gretchen and Elliot. uh, Like I think a lot of people had. So I'm like, oh, OK, here we go, because I guess the writers were having a hell of a time trying to figure out how are we going to get this money to the kids? And they went through all these different scenarios.
0: Well, the next few the next few events are very confusing. Maybe you can help me, Kelly. We're near the very end of this episode. The, the bar, they, they go outside of the bar and it's a sunny day and we see the cops coming up to the bar. It's, it's snowy, but it's sunny. It's like bright afternoon. And Walt's gone by the time these cops show up. And I guess he's gone back to the cabin, right? Because he has to get to his barrel to get all this cash. But where did he go? How did he get out of there? Did he just walk walk away before the cops got there?
1: Right, yeah, because you can see that his drink is kind of has been drank a little bit, but there's still some left, and there's a tip sitting there. So as soon as he saw Gretchen and Elliot on the TV, he just hightailed it out of there. Uh, you know, it looks like a pretty remote area out there.
0: Um, so, so just walked through a field or something and got out yeah. Of there. Yeah, I right. guess I could see it. Well, I'm going to have some more questions for you on the next one, Kelly, on Felina, the very last finale episode, but that's going to do it for Granite State. Um, if you want to reach us, you can get to us through our West Coast Project website. Um, my Twitter handle is at scathing and Kelly, what's your Twitter?
1: brba underscore fun facts
0: all right kelly that's it for granite state i'll see you next time on felina we'll talk about the very end of this show
1: all right see you then